2: Tonight, we have Leon Searcy from the University of Miami, a member of the 1987 National Championship Team, the 1989 Championship Team, and the 1991 Championship Team. Leon was also a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Jacksonville Jaguars in his illustrious 10-year career in the NFL. Excuse me, make that 11 years in the NFL. Leon, I know you played with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Jaguars, but hey, man, let's get down to the root of what's going on. The University of Miami. That's where my heart is. I know your heart is there. How do you think this season is going to go for us this year, man? Well, it's looking
3: I uh, went to last week's game, tailgated, uh, had a little gated meat before the game, a little dipping sauce, brought some dipping sauce with me before the game, uh, <laughs> a little victory cigar for the game. So it was good to see Universal Miami back on the map. You know, it's it's been a long time since we've been relevant. Uh you know, I checked the la- the last AP, UPI polls, and it's good to see University of Miami ranked in the top 25 again. It's been a while. Your former guys are excited about it. Uh, Carl Gable's excited again. The fan base is excited. The team's excited. So, you know, it's good to see University of Miami back on the map. Uh, you know, down here in Miami, you know, we kind of jumped the gun a little bit. You know, everybody's talking national championship, but... You know, I tell people to hold their horses. It's just, let's win the ACC first, then let's see what happens. But I tell you, a uh, great start so far, starting off 2-0 and and then beating a, a ranked team like the Florida Gators at home, it can definitely do something to prepare your season.
2: And, and that's for sure, Leon. You know, I, I, I live up here in Florida country in Gator country right now. Uh, in Palm Coast, Florida, is where I live at. It's about 45 minutes from the University of Florida. And trust me, man, it was some silent fans around here the week after the Miami Hurricanes laid that wood on the Florida Gators, man. Some silent fans down here, man. Well, um, I, I, hey, I, you know what? I wish I could
3: say the same thing about myself, but most of the guys I know that played in the league played at Florida. You know, guys like Eric Redd and Willie Jackson and Fred Taylor. You know, I ultimately gave them a phone call after the game because you know, before the game, you know, everybody's calling me, ringing my phone off the hook, talking about how bad they were going to beat us. But when we won, you know, they didn't say how they didn't say Miami won the game. They said that we gave them the game. You know, That's they bad. talked about their defense and how they dominated the second half and all the turnovers that uh, you know we came up with. But you know, the bottom line is W's and L's. You know we came up with the win uh our defense played lights out with all those turnovers that they had our defense our offense did struggle a bit in the second half, something I hope they can rectify uh going you know going on during the season but i think uh it's been a while since university of Miami had a big win against a, a nationally ranked opponent at home, so that that was definitely a spark plug that we needed and it just felt so good to to just see Miami back on the map but uh you know, I had some Gator fans, some former Gator players, call me and crying about how it gave us the game. But the ultimate result is, is that we're 2-0, and they're sitting at 1-1. and
2: And that's for sure. You know, and, and Leon, being an offensive lineman, former offensive lineman like yourself, you know, when I look at the University of Miami program right now, I look at our offensive line and Coach Art Kehoe as being one of the strengths on our offense for sure. You know, we got some big guys up there, and, and some of us have been looking for this kid, Chantrell Henderson, to really make a big move. You being a former offensive tackle, could you give us an overview of how you think this young man's career is going, and where do you see him maybe going in the NFL draft this year? Well, uh... You know,
3: ultimately I was a little nervous about last year. Uh I thought the kid was gonna jump ship on this last year and ultimately go into the NFL. And he probably would have been uh third or fourth round draft pick just on his size alone, maybe late second, maybe early thirds, but him coming back for another year said a lot about the kid and his character. Uh He wanted, you know, playing offensive line is uh you want to perfect your, your craft and, you know, going to the next level, I don't care how big you are, if you're not technically sound as an offensive lineman, you're not going to get it done at the next level. So it was good to see the kid come back. You know, want to refine some of his skills, want to get another year and work. Because I tell kids nowadays that want to chase the money, the NFL ain't going nowhere. It's going to be here, it's been here over the last 50-some-odd years, and it ain't going to up no time soon. So if you're going to make the cash one year, you're going to make the cash the next year. So it was good to see him come back. Refine his skills, get another year of work in. You know, and with the successful university in mind, is only going to raise his draft status. I mean, he's a big kid. He probably won't play left tackle starting off. You know, when he goes to the NFL, kind of like Orlando Franklin, that plays for the Denver Broncos. Now, um, he's going to probably play right tackle. He's going to be a big right tackle. He's going to be known as a. a, a he's going to be a, a space eater you know, most of the run games gonna to go to his side. So he's had a decent year so far. He's got good feet. He uses his hands well. He he plays with bent knees and good leverage. Uh it's just a matter of him just just, just staying healthy. Uh stay on your grind. When you stop learning, that's when you stop growing. Just keep learning your position. Keep be a student of the game, and I mean the kid's gonna be fine. The kid's gonna be a definite top, top first, second round pick or whatever, you know, depending on the success the University of Miami have is only going to raise his stock. So it was good to see him come back for another year. And I mean he's going he's coached by one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. I mean Archieo. You know, had a lot to do with uh, you know my growth as a player and, a, and my ability to be a first round draft pick when I came out in 1992, which was a long, long time ago.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Leon, let me tell you something, man. I came out in 1987. I barely missed you. Matter of fact, you came into the university as I was leaving the university of Miami. But we are brothers in the end, the U and that's gonna always be the case, man. But do you oh, think, so we're Always family. Always family. And it's so good to see us coming back, man. To it's, it's see all of us come back. We have such a good time. The tailgates are great. The the skybox is wonderful. The camaraderie is just, is just fantastic. Hey, but, you know, we've had a drought now for a little while at the University of Miami with first-round draft picks. And uh, do you see that possibly changing this year? Maybe Chantrell could, um could um, you know, step up and be that first-round pick that we haven't had at the University in a very long time?
3: Well, I'm hoping so. I mean, it's been a while. Uh, it's been a while since we had a first round pick, but the one thing I did notice about uh, when I played Universal Miami and the first round picks that we had, those string of first round picks, is that championships. You know, came along with it. You know, when you think about that year uh, from like 1999, 2000, 2001, 2002, when we had that streak of three to four to five, you know, nice. guys going in the first round, you got to look at those years in which those years we were top five. 99, we were top 10 team. 2000, we were top five team. 2001, we won a national title. And 2002, we were rocked by Ohio State for a national title. So I think. What you're going to see is that the the more success that we have as a team, the more success we are in ACC, the more more we're able to compete for BCS championship games, BCS bowl games. That's what you're going to see. University of Miami reemerge as you know uh, a pipeline uh, for to the NFL. And then we, and that's going to help with recruiting. I mean, you, the schools like Alabama, LSU, and all those schools now, reason why they have such a, a role of, uh, of first-round picks coming their way is because of the success that the program is having. And I think that once we get back to that level, once we get back to playing for BCS bowl games and national championships, you're going to see our recruiting process is going to escalate, and then the, the talent is going to be coached better, and then we're going to ultimately have those first-round picks that we had back in the day when we reeled off three, four, five, for first-round picks at a time each and every year. So I think we're going in the right direction. I think Al Golden, his coaching staff, is doing a hell of a job of recruiting. Every time I turn on the ESPN big board, as far as recruiting goes, we're, we're in the top five, we're in the top ten. So that says a lot about the coaching staff and what they're able to do. So you're going to see in the near future, we'll get back to, you know, reeling off those first-round picks like when I played and with the success they had in '99, 2000, and 2001, and 2002.
2: Well, Leon, I go way back. I was on the very first national championship team in 1983 when we won a national championship. I Leon, you're the
3: godfather, though. You're the, <laughs> you the godfather of the
2: youth. Hey, I appreciate it, Leon. I really appreciate it. And I wear that crown with a lot of grace, man. I really do. And I let everybody know because I wear my national championship ring daily. And I let everybody know in these parts of the woods that I was a member of the very first national championship ever won in the state of Florida. Not just the University of Miami, but the whole state. And hey, man, you know, when we won our national championship in 1983, it was a lot of guys went early in the NFL draft. And from that point on, the, the program just grew and grew and grew. By the time I left in 1987, we had three number one draft picks and a Heisman Trophy. And the year before that, Vinny Tess, um, Bernie Kozar, if he had—if we had won that game in the Orange Bowl against Boston College when when Doug Flutie threw the hail mary. I'm, I'm telling you now, man, Bernie Kozar would have won the Heisman Trophy that year. That pass alone and that victory gave Doug Flutie the Heisman Trophy, man. I, so-
3: I, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you see, that goes that goes hand in hand. You got to think all those years from, from 83, those years from 83, 84 to 87 to where you left. I mean, we were always competing. We were always one of the top 10 teams in the country. And I, I tell guys this. You know, I tell college guys this, I tell high school guys this, guys who wanna go to another level. NFL teams want winners. Now, you can say what you want to say, you can say about how fast you're on the forty, how high you jump, but they 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 wanna always find scouts around collegiate programs that have a tradition of winning. And when te- NFL teams want winners and, and if you wanna uh, if you wanna go to the next level at the University of Miami, you want to be on a winning team you know, being on a winning team is going to ultimately give you an opportunity to play in the nFL that's what I tell kids that all the time, whether it's at high school college level, I tell them that nFL's uh, NFL executive they want winners and they're going to programs where they the teams expect to win, and those are the kind of guys that they want on their team.
2: And and that's the truth, Leon. You know, I, I tell people um, that the University of Miami recruit on Sunday. You know, when you, when you look at the NFL, you see a lot of players that played in the universe, played at the University of Miami, that are on TV every Sunday. And when parents and when especially mothers, when they see those players on Sunday, hey, that's where they want their kids to go. And I think we, we've done it. I think Al Golden has done a wonderful job bringing our program back. And we're getting very, very close to where we once were. And hey, man, I know that with time and, and a lot, a lot more hard work, we're going to find another championship. We will be we will be wearing that sixth national championship at the University of, of, of Miami very soon. Leon, hey, man. We got a cut. We, we're almost done with our first segment here and we got to come back. I hope you can stay with us. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Please come back and hang out with us for another segment. You're listening to Sports Info U.M. and I'm Daryl Oliver. Sam Sorrell will be right back with us next week. But you're listening to us on The Voice America.
4: internet flagship station for sports voice america sports
0: are you a philly sports fan maybe you're local to philly or you're a transplanted philly fan either way you want to check out philly sports jabronis it's a radio show that has nothing to do with chicago sports it's not about nyc and la can't even muster a football team with their own It's all about Philly sports, and nothing but Philly sports. Most of the time. Join your hosts, Mike Greger and Joe Dara, every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the Transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. on the Voice America Sports Network. If you're looking for a show that takes you through the process of becoming a successful college athlete, you'll want to tune in to Get It Done Sports Radio with host Karif Byrd. You'll find out about the how to's of getting to the next level and the do's and don'ts when preparing for college athletics. It's a complete inside look at what's turning out the next generation of players. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time on Voice America Sports.
4: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
1: tuned in to Sports Info U.M. with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at UM 3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
2: And welcome back to What's info, you, um. Hey, we have Leon Sears hanging out with us tonight, and Leon played with the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Baltimore Ravens, but most of all, he played at the U, the University of Miami. Hey, Leon, who were some of the running backs that, um, that we're back in the backfield with you? Um, you know, I don't want to make mistakes.
3: Well, uh, w- when I was there, we had uh, we had Cleveland Gary, we had Melvin Braden. I mean, I didn't get an opportunity to block for Cleveland Gary or Melvin Braden, but Cleveland Gary, we had Melvin Braden, we had uh, Steve McGuire, Alex Johnson, Leonard Conley. Uh, those were, you know, those were the backs we, you know, we were. Uh, yeah. I was able to block for when I was there. So, and Lea, I played. I mean, I missed Highsmith by one year, Alonzo Highsmith, and I heard that he was just a beast. As, as a running back. So, uh, you know, any offensive lineman, you definitely want to block for the best. And, you know, Alonzo and Melvin are probably, you know, got to be in the top five running backs in the University of Miami history of all time. So I would have loved to block for them, but I did block for Leonard Conley, Alex Johnson, and Steve McGuire. So, you know, I got a couple of rings off of them as well. So, you know, it's a win-win.
2: And, you know, when I think about it, we played with some of the same guys. Alonzo Highsmith, he came out with me in the, in the 87 class. And um, Melvin, Melvin, I played with him one year. So you had to play with Warren Williams as well, who was a Pittsburgh stiller running back. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I forgot about
3: Warren. Yeah, Warren Williams yeah. as well.
2: I, I, exactly. I don't know if um, – well – and, and some of the receivers that were there, you know, Michael Irvin. I left him there. I helped recruit Michael Irvin to University of Miami. Andre Andre Brown, he was there. Um, mm-hmm. We had we had some players, man. Charlie Henry and Alfredo Roberts were on the offensive side. Both of them were still there. Oh yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I was, you know, I was
3: there with uh, Lamar Thomas, Horace Copeland, Daryl Spencer, Kevin Williams. You know, Wesley Carroll. You know, Rob Chuzinski at uh, tight end. Uh, I mean, so we had a plethora of, of, of wide eyes. You know, we, 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 we lined up three, four wide, and, you know, we we were trying to score under one minute every time we had the ball, especially under the, that Dennis Erickson offense. I mean, we, we was like the run and shoot when we was down there. I mean, we we got four or five wide, and we basically said, our guys are better than your guys and see if you can stop them. And at that wide open offense that we had, I mean, we had so much success with the, the quarterbacks that we had with Craig Erickson and know, Toretta. I mean, we averaged four hundred sixty, four hundred seventy yards a game. So uh, we kept it wide open when I was there. Uh, okay. You know, I, I, I didn't enjoy it as much, you know, because any offensive lineman, you know, with any with any sense, likes to run block more than he likes to pass protect. But, I mean, we had so many weapons on the offensive side of the ball that, uh, we, you know, we could score on you uh, under one minute if, if you gave us the opportunity.
2: Yeah, you know, and um, and I tell you, man, I never played under Coach Erickson. Uh, actually, Coach Howard Snellenberger recruited me in University of Miami, and he left after our first national championship. And Jimmy Johnson came in, and uh, I barely, I I left the year before Jimmy Johnson won his first national championship, which would have been mm-hmm. your first national championship. And now let me yeah. ask you a question, man. You know, I know you played with Coach Erickson and Coach Johnson, and um, Coach Johnson recruited you. Well, which one of these coaches do you did you find the most joy or did you actually find the most that you learned the most from out of those two coaches? Well, that's an
3: easy question. I mean, I had uh, all the utmost respect for Coach Johnson, but you know, Coach Johnson kind of got me in my early years, and kept, Coach Johnson kept us, you know, kept me stressed, stressed out as a freshman in the softball because <laughs> you know the, the kind of pressure that he he demanded from his team, you know, kept team, kept the players at bay. Now, with Coach Erickson i mean coach erickson was a little bit more laxed you know he was a little bit more of a players' coach jimmy johnson was all about business it was all about the business of winning football games you're not here to have fun you're here to win championships now when it came to coach erickson you know a little bit more lax You had a little bit more fun a little bit more celebrating um but that ultimately i mean we had we had so much talent on those teams on erickson that um uh, uh you know, we still couldn't be stopped. And he, he ended up winning two national titles while he was at University of Miami, 89 and 91. But um, I, I learned a lot from both of them. You know, I yeah. learned uh, about the business of, of football under, under Coach Johnson and under Coach Erickson. I just, I just learned about, yeah, you know, enjoying the game. You know, enjoying uh, the execution and fundamentals of playing the game of football. So both of them, you know, was a, was a growing and a learning experience for me. And uh, you know, uh, that kind of blessing you 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 can't ask for. to be coached under those two talented coaches.
2: Very two talented coaches, man. And I. Mm-hmm. I- came under Coach Snellenberger, who was basically almost like a militant. I mean, he dictated every minute of your day. We had three practices a day the year we won our first national championship. Coming into the season... And um, Coach Stellenberger came out and said he would never practice a team as hard as he practiced us after we lost to the University of Florida in Gainesville and then went on to win 12 straight and the national championship game against Nebraska in what considered to be the greatest game in the history of college football when um, Nebraska had a super team and they came out under us in the Orange Bowl for the championship. Hey, man, when I came, when I came in with Coach Johnson, when Coach Johnson came and took over our team, He really didn't understand us. We were just, we had, he gave us just a little bit of freedom and it was almost like opening the floodgates. I mean, guys just basically went rampant. We had, we we just had a lot of freedom because he gave us a little. But the following year, after after his second year, Jimmy Johnson laid it down, and he made it sure that everybody understood that everything is strictly about business. Every trip that we take, he wants us to be in a suit and tie. If not a suit and tie, a jacket and a tie, and we're on a business trip. He let it be known. So I, I have to give um, Coach Johnson a lot of credit for letting me know that life is a business. It's not just a business trip and a game, but life is a business, man.
3: Yeah, he was. He was, he was thorough, and and, and 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 um, how he dictated his teams, and, and and Coach Johnson wasn't afraid to speak his mind. I mean, he would ultimately come in the meetings sometimes and tell us that he plays favorites. There's guys on this team that he likes that he'll do for. And other guys on the teams are, 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 you know, on the back burner. I mean, he he definitely played mind games with guys. He put, he, he definitely, you know, uh, challenged guys each and every day that your, your scholarship was on the line, and that this was not going to be a country club environment. That you would have to earn your keep each and every day. And, and, and the one thing he did do that uh, actually helped me help prepare my career is that uh, the competition was lethal on the field. I mean, I mean, the practices will lead. To the competition was, I mean, each and every day that you were underneath a, a Jimmy Johnson regime, you, you were, you were excellence was expected. Uh, the expectations of excellence was expected each and every day, and he did not t- tolerate mediocrity. If you were going to be average, he didn't want you on his team. And he ran his ship just like that, and he had his assistant coaches run it like that, too. And that's why you saw that it was so many guys, the weak links didn't play. Uh, The weak links underneath the Coach Johnson regime didn't play. You either didn't play or you transferred. And and the competition was so lethal. Just to get on the field at the University of Miami, you had to be an ultimate baller. Because uh, th- there was going to be no scrubs on the field underneath this regime, but I think that ultimately, you know, help you know, help my career because I knew that if I was if I was talented enough, I uh, to play at the University of Miami. I knew that I was doing something because the competition on the field was uh, was was almost pro act It was almost a pro environment on that football field, and it definitely helped me stay on my grind when I was a college player at the University of Miami.
2: Well, Leon, I tell you, man, we had a meeting every Thursday night, and we left on Friday to go to that game, whether it was a home game or away game, we left on Friday. If you were one minute late for that meeting on Thursday night, and I've seen some, some, some big men cry because they were a minute late, and they knew, that you were not going on that trip, and uh, it didn't matter who it was with Coach Johnson. And I guess he was trying to establish himself because he had only been there two years with me. But uh, he didn't. It didn't matter with him if you if 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 you if you weren't on, there on time, you were gonna get left.
3: Yeah, now I'm gonna ask you this question: Is this a true story? I always hear this about Coach Johnson leaving guys on away way Now, was there ever a time you ever saw a guy running on the runway while the plane was taking off, trying to make the plane? I don't believe that story. Now nah, I've heard them stories before, I've seen guys running with their luggage in a suit trying to make the plane. Did you ever seen
2: that? I'll tell you this: We went to the Fiesta Bowl, and on our way back from the Fiesta Bowl, Leon, we had guys. The van drove them all the way to the termite, to the ter- to, uh, to all the way to the plane. I mean, the van came onto the to the runway and dropped them oh. off at the plane because we had <laughs> left them at the hotel.
3: Oh, man, I tell
2: you. I'm telling you. Jimmy Johnson didn't play the radio, man. He said what he meant, and he meant what he said, man. And you're right. Yeah, yeah. A, for, yeah. He held your scholarship over your head, too. And I've seen guys that probably shouldn't have had a scholarship in the first place didn't have their scholarship the year after Coach Johnson was there.
5: Well, that sounds
3: like him. I, yeah. I remember going into my freshman year, uh, we had to run a 16 test. Uh, you know, because the veterans, you know, well, initially the freshmen weren't supposed to run the test, but, you know, we call ourselves being on the sideline, laughing at the veterans, passing out on the, on the conditioning test. Of so course, Johnson made us freshmen run the test. And I can't, I don't, 24, 25 freshmen, I think maybe five guys passed the test. And a lot of guys passed out. We had, we had like receivers pass out on the ones like Randall Hill and, you know, sure. guys who could run all they pass out on the conditioning test. So I remember Coach Johnson called a meeting of all the freshmen. And he basically dog cussed us out. Say this was not unacceptable. That, this, you know, this would not be tolerated. And he told us that if we came back and ran the same way, in two days, to have to have to, he was gonna get rid of half of us on the next week. So I, I remember, I remember looking at the guys like, "Man, I ain't signed up for this." You know, <laughs> you know, you remember your recruiting trip. Everything's cold, everybody nice, everybody paying you in the back, telling you how good you are. When you got the chemical, John said, "Look, if y'all run like that again in two days, half of y'all are going back home." I was like, "Dang." Well, he ain't yeah. play the radio. I tell you that much, though. But I tell you what—that kind of mentality, uh, that 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 that, that, that no nonsense mentality—that uh, that helped my game. I, a lot of guys can say what they want to say. Coach Johnson was tough. He was this and that, um, but uh, I guarantee you, he helped their careers. And I I, I I bet you that they thank him for you know uh, the harshness that he had on those teams because uh, those years I was there, just the two years I was there, shooting we didn't lose but one game and right. that was questionable right. and that was another name on a farmer that shouldn't have been called so I mean if you think about it if Coach Johnson had won the Penn State 87, 86, 87, 88 he could have easily won three national titles in a row
2: wow wow hey guys you're listening to Sports Info U and we'll be right back with more Sports Info talking to Leon Sears
0: Second trap <laughs> to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here.
4: From high school to the pros, we <laughs> we, cover everything. we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
0: on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter.
4: Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports.
1: You're tuned in to Sports Info U.M. with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoun3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
2: And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Hey, we got Leon Searcy on the line. Hey, Leon, before you go, man, um, you've given us some good stories about the University of Miami. Give us one one of your favorite stories about the University of Miami, and we're gonna let you get out get out of here. Man. Uh, one Before of my favorite stories,
3: the University of Miami, of Miami is uh, probably on my recruiting visit where uh, Melvin Braden was my my host. And he, you know, I'm you know I'm listening to a little country boy from Orlando, and I you know come down
5: to.
3: Uh, Melvin Braden picks me up from the airport. The first song you know I heard was something from the Two live Crew that he got banging <laughs> in his radio in his car. So remember, Brad, we go to Jerome Brown's house. There's about five or six, seven recruits at Jerome Brown house. And Jerome Brown's not there, so we're sitting in the chair or whatever. Jerome Brown comes in, busts it, kicks in the door and says, I ain't tell y'all ass to sit in my chair <laughs> in my, on my sofa. So we all we all jump up out of the sofa. He said, sit y'all, you know, I don't know if I can care if hey, you, are, ass you down. So we all sat radio. down. And i tell you, Jerome Brown went by each and every recruit. And one, he asked us questions to see if we were hurricane, you know, quality hurricane players. And if we weren't, he literally took us out. Of the house by his and they tossed us on the grass. So I, I just remember that story. Jerome Brown being the biggest, baddest man I ever seen in my entire life, and being scared as hell, thinking that I'm gonna have to block him for the next five years. But, uh. but you know, he went to the NFL that next year. But I just remember my recruiting how terrified I was of Jerome Brown. So I can imagine what kind of player he was on the field. But that—that's my UM story. My my sheer terror of Jerome Brown. And I'm sure I'm not the only man that that can admit to this, and a lot of people don't want to. But I'm telling you, that man right there scared the hell out of me. My best <laughs> trip at the University of Miami. So that's my story at UM.
2: Hey, Leon, thank you for being on the show, man. And remember, uh, remind me the next time I see you. I got a story about Jerome Brown. I'm going to share with you. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Hey, thanks a lot, Leon. I appreciate it. That was Leon All right, man. No problem. You got it. Take care. Thank you. Hey, and on the line now, we have uh, another former University of Miami uh, Hurricane um, played for the Kansas City Chiefs, Charlie Henry. Uh, Do we have Charles on the line? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. Charlie, what's going on? All right, nothing much. How you doing, sir? Good. Hey, we just had Leon Searcy on the phone, and he was giving us one of his Jerome Brown stories. And something, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, didn't Jerome, Jerome Brown, was he your roommate, or he lived downstairs he my, from you? He was my roommate, and it's funny, because Jerome, we all got stories about Jerome. Yeah, we all got stories about Jerome, man. <laughs> Bless his heart.
6: <laughs> oh, man.
2: All right, Tyler, yeah, we... give, us, give us one of your Jerome Brown stories, man. We, uh, you know, we came to training camp. We all,
6: he, I, um, Selwyn Brown, and Fuller and all room together. We um, snuck out one night to go to the grocery store because he got hungry. And we <laughs> he, <laughs> we got hungry. He made us go with him, and we couldn't find our way back to the dorm. This <laughs> was our second night that we couldn't find our way back to the dorm. We went across the street to the grocery store. We couldn't find it. So we... And, and I remember that to this day,
2: <laughs> Charlie. Charlie, uh, that grocery store was no more than a quarter of a mile away from the university. Yeah, <laughs> right across the street, yeah, but the dorm, the And across the street. You yeah, know, at that time, happened.
6: everything looked the same. When you got back, all the dorms, the thirty-six dorms, <laughs> all of them looked the same, and we just didn't find. We just didn't know.
2: <laughs> hey, Charlie, did y'all get did y'all get caught that night for being out after curfew?
6: No, we didn't get caught. We but we did have to go to we uh, one of the security officers. They helped us get back. We didn't even know it was the thirty sixth dorm because you know when camp right. when it started after that first day. I mean, we were at the practice facility all day. I think right. we we. Were, I mean, so Schnellenberger was really putting it on us. I think the previous year they had lost a uh, few games with teams coming from behind, and he said that'll never happen again. And so you know, we ran. I mean, it was an all day thing.
2: Yeah. You know, that's what I was just telling Leon and, and people don't understand this man, but we actually had three practices a day and we yep. have a meeting at night until about nine o'clock at night, man. So we yeah. start at five thirty in the morning and we would literally go until like nine, nine thirty at night. And then you then the lights had to be out by eleven o'clock, man. So you yeah, were about an hour yeah. when you got home.
6: Yeah. It was crazy and when you slept during in between practices, you didn't go back to the dorms, you just had to kind of sleep at the facility because the next practice was around the corner, you know. So
2: right around the corner, man. Yeah. And you know, and um, Coach Snellenberger did come out and say that he'll never practice a team as hard as he practiced our team because we were really exhausted by the time that game started when we lost to the University of Florida in the first in the opening game. Now we did win all of our all of the rest of our games, including the national championship game. But we were exhausted going into that first game of the season, man.
6: Yeah, I think the first couple of days we didn't even practice. After that, we he said after class that's it in the dawn. So we he had to give us some rest.
2: Yeah, yeah, we we needed rest after that. Yeah, but um, Charlie, you you came out of University of Miami, man, with two national championships. Um, you know, you won a nineteen eighty three national championship when we beat Nebraska. And uh, then you guys came back and won a nineteen eighty seven national championship. And uh, I think right. you got and and who did you beat? Nebraska? Uh Oklahoma Oklahoma. Oklahoma, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, you yeah. came out and beat Oklahoma. Yeah. And Charlie, you also drafted it by the um, Kansas City Chiefs. No, I was I wasn't
6: drafted. I, you know, I sustained the uh, um uh Terrible knee injury in my last my senior season, and so okay. I was fortunate enough that the Oakland Raiders—they were in LA at that time—they picked me up and put me on physically unable to perform, you know. And so um, I was there that whole year just working out and conditioning, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. I was fortunate, you know. Everyone wanted to be drafted; I wasn't drafted, but they—they they did give me an opportunity, and that's you know that's more than you can ask for.
2: Right, you know. um, you know, Charlie, we, we're coming up on a break, but I want you to hold through this. All right. We, we're coming up on our, on our final break. This is Sports Info and We'll be right okay. back.
4: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.
1: What's it like to live life on the edge? Fire in the hole. It's that feeling of exhilaration after doing something that pushes your limits every day. Action Sports athletes live their lives on the edge. Join professional ski patroller, journalist, and author Kim Kircher every week as she talks to guests who are exploring the edge. We'll look at everything, including risks, motivation, and the rewards involved with getting out on the edge. You want to tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Palms away.
0: The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's a up tough shot. got it. 2.8 seconds left to oh. left. I don't care where they put him. This one is
4: out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we, cover everything. we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
1: You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
2: And welcome back to Sports Info U. And we have Charlie Henry on the line. Charlie is a member of the 1983 national championship and the 1987 national championship with the University of Miami. Uh, Charlie was also uh, played in the, played for the um, Santa Fe agent contract with the Oakland Raiders. Charlie, I have a couple questions. One question for you, man. Before I go, I know you have two young Hello. sons, and Hello. both of them, both of your young sons play play football. Is that correct? Well, one is basketball. I've been trying
6: to get him in football, and he doesn't want any part of it. He says he wants to play now after the season starts, but my younger one is he loves football, you know. Mm-hmm. They're both, they're both uh, great baseball players, but it's just hard to keep them in it, you know. So as long as they're doing something, I'm all right with it.
2: Cool. And, uh, and Charlie, um, how do you feel, uh, how do you feel about playing tackle football before you're 8 before you're 14 years old are you in favor of it do you think it's okay um how do you feel about this
6: yeah i mean i think it's okay i mean you know the, the, i think part of the problem we have a lot of coaches out now that love the players but they just don't know you know they they're they dedicated it, but they just don't know the game you know that's part of the problem it's not enough experienced coaches out it's it's just teaching them how to hit you know And and that's part of the problem I see. And I I guess that's pretty much why a lot of the parents uh, try to coach their son, too.
2: Right, right. All right. Charlie, could you hold on for us? Okay, definitely. Yeah, hey, we have, we have Greg Mark, another former University of Miami football player. We all about the U tonight, baby. Greg Mark Greg Mark played at the University of Miami. He has two national championships as well. You know, I'm a little envious of you guys that have these two national championships, man, because I only have one national championship. And don't get it wrong. I'm so happy and proud of my one national championship. But I get a little well, envious of you guys with two.
5: Well, don't be. Don't you, you need to be proud because that's the one. That's the one that started it all off. So uh, you know, and without that one, we might we may not have had the other the other uh, the other ones that came past it. But I will correct you. I would have three national championships because I won so, the 2001 national championship as a defensive line coach. So, <laughs> not to rub it in any further. <laughs> yeah.
2: Greg, I'm silent with envy now, man. You got three yeah. natural talents. Where to rub it in a little bit on us,
5: Greg. Uh, I'm just proud to be a king, man. I'm proud to be a king. I'm glad, I'm glad, right. I'm glad, I'm glad you were there to teach me everything I know, how to practice and everything, how to work hard, uh, when I came in as a youngster. You guys, uh, definitely set the tempo. So I'm just, uh, I'm just glad and, uh, and, and, and proud to be, uh, be a part of it.
2: Hey, man, I'm glad you guys really, really stepped the game up after I left because, you know, we tried to set it, set the tone while I was there. But you guys took it to another level. And uh, and, I, and I'm really happy to see the University of Miami football look like it's coming back to uh, some something that what we had when we were there. And we're not there yet, but I really see um, Coach Golden taking the program in a, in a, in a direction that um, that's, that's going to take us where we want to go. And how do you guys feel
5: about that? Without a doubt, I mean, obviously, you can uh, you can see the the improvement from year one to year three. Not only in talent, obviously, the talent has gotten yeah uh, uh, you know, a, a little better, but uh, but a lot deeper as well. You know, but also their confidence and the way they play the game. I mean, you can see that. They know where they're going, uh, you know, and which is which is half the battle when they're out there because, you know, they, there's guys out there that can run real fast, but if they don't know where they're going, they look slow. Uh, but they they seem to be getting a little bit of edge about them, getting a little bit of confidence, and, uh, you know, they're taking chances and playing hard, and it, it, it's a great thing to see. I think, uh, you know, I don't know if we're there yet, and I guess we'll we have some big tests down the road, but this first test against Florida, let me tell you something, uh, you know, Very, very proud and, and, uh, you know, very optimistic about what the season can do for us this year.
2: I agree totally. How do you feel about that, Charlie? Yeah, I see, you know, they're stepping it up. And
6: uh, the coaches appear to be excellent mentors, you know, which is something we had when we came in, which is important. You're mentoring young men, you know, and they seem to be um, responding well.
2: I, I, I agree totally, man. And, um, you know, when you, when, you, when you start talking about confidence, you know, when you look at some of these guys on the field, if you don't know your plays, like to know the back of your hand, you shouldn't be out there. And that's on offense and defense. And we saw a lot of those struggles the last couple of years with this young team. And we can't use those excuses anymore about being young. We got to fight the battle now. That, you know, you can't just say your feet are cold. Now you got to get in there and do the thing
5: now. Well, you know, without a doubt, I think what you saw, you know, especially uh, you know this past uh, the past game, is that you know not only did they know where they were going, uh, but that they were they were confident and, and a lot more physical. You know, last year and the last two years, you know, it was pretty painful watching the defense, especially you know because they couldn't they didn't have the strength to decide to separate. From from the blocks and it just you know it, it just looked bad. It was it was it was it was very frustrating. But uh, as you saw this week against Florida, I mean an excellent excellent team. You know they went out there, separated that defense was flying around. The offense made enough plays to to get the job done, and it, it's 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 very promising. I'm I'm really excited to, again to see what happens for the rest of the year.
2: And so am I, Greg. And when you look at this defense that we have now, man, these linebackers they have probably probably the most experienced group on the field. But the defensive line, man, looks a lot better and a lot more stout than they did last year. We look bigger, stronger, much more physical. I like what I see on our defensive line, Greg.
5: Well, what I'm seeing also, you know, from you know, and, and just echoing what uh, Charles was talking about, is I see feel- him during uh, mixing up the scheme a lot. You know, obviously, you know, we'd you'd like to just line up like the old days and put four guys down and watch those, those big dogs go hunt. But the problem, you know, if you don't have those type of players or, or you're not quite there yet with those type of players, you need to, you need to work it from the coaching standpoint and get some schemes where you put players, uh, in, in positions to make plays. And that's what happened, uh, last, last, uh, the last game. They went out and not only made the plays. They caused the turnovers. They had, they caused havoc in the backfield. But, uh, you know, they're, they're a year older, a year stronger, uh, a year more experienced, and, and it shows. And conditioned,
6: well conditioned, because they, they spend a lot of time on the field.
5: The defense. <laughs> well, that, that that reminded me of the old uh, Coach uh, Coach Erickson days when they would get into that gun, they'd go three and out and only run thirty seconds off the clock. <laughs> 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 or, or better yet, they'd score. They'd go down and 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 score and only run a minute off the clock. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. You know the thing. The thing I see though is also that that is, is evident as the game went on. It was one of my fears going into the for Florida game. Is was the depth factor. You know, uh, you're, you're now you're seeing quality. Uh, depth come in where, you know, there's not that much of a drop off with uh, the first group against the second group. And that's how you sustain, especially for the amount of plays that the defense was out there on the field. That's how you sustain a hard fought game with, with, against your in-state rivals. And, 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 and that's how you come out on top. And I, you can see that. And that's, that's definitely a, uh, a, a nod to the, to, to the recruiting aspect of, of what the coaches are doing.
2: Definitely, man. And, you know, it was really painful to watch a couple of years when when the young guys come off the field to, to get a break and more young guys go on the field. And you know that the talent that was leaving the field was not as good as the talent that was coming on the field. And, uh, but now you're right, Greg. The depth is really making a big difference, man. And I'm talking about offense and defense, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers. Our receivers are probably some of the best in the nation, and I can't wait to see them get wound out and wide open. I think we're going to really have a serious <laughs> passing attack before this season is over. Well,
5: probably uh, speak to that a little more, but I I see those guys being a nightmare for, for any secondary, especially, you know, the offensive line is gelling. Well, we got some big, big wide bodies up front. If they can give our quarterback some time, you know, look out because those guys got a lot of skill out there as, as well. Just like you're saying.
2: That's for sure. Yep. And, um, Charlie, I know you'd love to play um, play for this quarterback we have now, man. He has a <laughs> rocket arm. You know, doesn't seem like we're getting the ball to the tight ends as much as I would like to see. It's because I'm from old school where you got a tight end, you got to use him. But I yeah. know down the road before this season is over, man, we're going to be making some big plays to our tight end. And uh, I don't, it's probably not going to be against Savannah State. Probably it's going to be against Georgia Tech or Virginia Tech, but... We have too good of a tight end in our offense. We got two really good tight ends in our offense that we really have to use, man. I know it's coming.
6: Yeah, you know, in the past, too, we lived and die by the past. Lived and yeah. die by the past, so I'm pretty sure they'll open it up before the season is over.
5: Yeah,
2: they're going to have to. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, now you're talking about being from old school. Hey, back in the day, didn't our, didn't our, you know, when we were there, didn't our wide receivers get in a three-point stance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, roll-blocking it all. <laughs> hey, I, I got defensive ends up in two-point stances. Oh, boy, I'll tell you, times uh, have changed. Uh, Hey, hey,
2: Greg, you go date our age, man. Come on, man. You know. I'm only thirty six years old. You making it seem like I'm forty-nine years
5: old,
2: man. But hey guys, you know, before we go, I really want to ask you guys a couple of questions. You know, um when when we when we look at the game now compared to the way the game was when we played. You know, um, college football now is a, is a billion-dollar industry. And when you look at some of these teams, I can guarantee you right now, the University of Florida's football team is going to make more money than the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. Do you think there's ever, become, there's ever come a day when these college athletes – are going to get a bigger stipend than what we got when we were in college. And I'm not talk- and I'm talking about weekend money and laundry money. And that little check for like $48 that they gave us on the weekend was not a lot of money, man. They may, have re- may- they may have increased it when I left, gave y'all 58, but it just wasn't a lot of money, man, compared to the millions and billions that these colleges are making now. Do you think college football players will ever see a paycheck from the money they're making on the field for these other for the institution.
5: Well, I I mean I, I can I can give you what my opinion is. I, I I think the answer is no. Uh you know, I don't think we're ever gonna do it. I didn't say ever, but I I, I don't feel any time in the near future we're gonna get to the point where players are actually being paid like uh like professionals, and, and obviously not the dollar value, but being paid in that respect, I do see though, you know, an increase in stipends, a, uh, a closer look into the cost of living uh, that, that that is uh, incorporated from a college student at this day and age. I mean, you know, you know, if you got kids, you go out, you go to the movies, you're broke by the time you leave You know, so you know those kids are going out, and movies cost a lot more, uh, dinners cost a lot more, and I think that it's time to. to, to Maybe reevaluate uh, you know that type of spending money because let's face I mean most schools are getting are, are giving the players uh, you know a, a full scholarship which is which is which is invaluable as you well as you well know I mean they, they take advantage of it there's a lot of opportunities that are given to those players that uh, are not afforded to regular students uh, but but we, obviously speaking about the large amount of money yeah i think it's time that they need to put together some sort of pool and and really up the up the living sense. because these guys nowadays uh you know even even probably more so than us are are you know, three hundred sixty-five days a year. Now, I mean, there's there's not much time off. They're if they're not if they're not in season, they're doing off-season work. If they're not off-season, they're doing spring work. If they're not spring work, you're doing summer work. So, I mean, it's just like a job. So, I mean, they they should be uh, they should be uh, at least evaluated to get some spending money since they're not able to go get a, a a real job and make some of that money to to compensate for themselves. That's I agree, Mike.
2: <laughs> just my thought. <laughs> <laughs> and Charlie, what's your opinion on this?
6: Yeah, I agree. I think they should up the stipend a little bit, and I, like you said, the um, experience, the education is invaluable, you know. And then and, and you also you you're getting a, a excellent education, and you're leaving with with no student loan, you know, nothing to pay back, you know. So, um, <clears throat> um, like you said, up the stipend and and, and cost the cost of living a little more, but you know, I don't think they ever get paid.
5: Uh, you know, and, and I don't mean to cut into, but I just don't see it happening. And it may, maybe for the reason because football, basketball, some baseball programs, and on the college level, every every other sport loses money. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. so, you, so there's no way to make an you know an equal share, an equal cut per. Uh, and, and then you're talking about the major power schools, you know, major power conferences. Yeah, they they, they have revenue sharing, so they make more money. But how how does that – how do you equate that down to the smaller conferences and the smaller schools? I mean, do you give them less? I mean, I just don't – it's just too much of a, a head-spinning, uh, you know, type of scenario that I don't think that anybody will ever agree on one thing. Now, cost hey, of living, Hey, guys, hey, okay. we got to go. I wish we could talk
2: longer, <laughs> but you listen to the Sports Info Radio Show. See ya!